Exodus 20, verse 1, this is uh, uh, God speaking to Moses. He says, then God gave the people all these instructions. He says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God bef- uh, but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children, the entire families affected, even children of third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You must, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, or any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. And you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Well, today we're kicking off a brand new series called The Top Ten. And if you hadn't figured it out, it's a series on the Ten Commandments. So in these next few weeks, we're going to be talking, we're going to be going through uh, just all the way down systematically through the Ten Commandments. Let's go ahead and pray over this time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for every part of your word from Genesis to Revelation. We know your word is there and written and living and true and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, speak to us today. Show us what it is you want us to see, but more importantly, give us the grace and the power to live it out. Help me, Holy Spirit, as I preach your word. Lord, I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. Lord, I need your help today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm calling this the top 10 because there's a lot of uh, uh, rankings uh, in life, right? If you search something on Google, a lot of times you'll come up with the top 10 answers, right? Like, for example, a couple weeks ago when I mentioned about uh, when I was in the finance series and uh, number one reason why people get divorced and the number one was adultery, then finances, but there was like a top 10. Uh, I asked somebody, because I don't listen to the radio anymore, but I know when I was growing up, you had the top 10 most requested songs, right, on the radio. Somebody said they still do that now, right? Or if you're like me and you're a football fan, like right now, college football, the regular season's winding down, but every week there's rankings, Right. And so like yesterday, the number five team in the nation, they lost. So those rankings change every week. These Google searches, those listings change every week. Every week, maybe the request on the radio. But listen, God's top ten never changes. The Ten Commandments were given thousands of years ago, and they're still there for a reason. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to show you, the first of all, I'm going to lay the foundation for this whole series. I'm going to show you the purpose of the Ten Commandments. Then we're going to look at two of them a week. Like I will lay the foundation today. We'll look at the first two. Uh, and then we're going to go through the next few weeks leading up to uh, our Christmas service. By the way, I just want to let you know. So Christmas does fall on a Sunday this year. So we're going to have two Christmas Eve services just to let you know early. And they'll be earlier because it's Christmas Eve. They'll be at three and five o'clock 
on Christmas Eve. We'll not have service here on Sunday on Christmas Day. Our weekend services will be Christmas Eve, 3 and 5 o'clock. So I encourage you and your family to come on out. We did it that way. That way, if you have Christmas Eve plans, you know, we end the service probably about 6.30ish, a little early, and you can still go be with your family that night. So this is going to take us up into our Christmas Eve service. Amen? So the Ten Commandments were much more than the laws governing the life in the nation of Israel. They are a part of the covenant God made with Israel when he took them for himself as his own special people. See, the uh, Abrahamic covenant God gave the Jews in that covenant, he gave them the title deed, so to speak, of the promised land. But Israel's possession and enjoyment of that land depended on their obedience to the Mosaic covenant. The tragedy is that the nation disobeyed the law, defiled their land, and grieved the Lord. So, of course, we know, you read the, the, the Old Testament, they had consequences. See, but the law was never given. Now, this is where you need to catch this as we get into the series. The law was never given as a way of salvation for either Jews or Gentiles. Look at what the Apostle Paul, let's jump into the New Testament. The Apostle Paul told Peter when Peter was, was being, he was correcting Peter for being hypocritical about, you know, he ate with the Gentiles and then when the Jews came, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles in the morning. He went and said, with just the Jews. Paul's correcting him here. And listen what he says in Galatians 2, 15. He says, you and I are both uh, Jews from birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. So it shows you, he's saying the law can never save us, but there is a purpose for the law. And we believe, we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. Listen to this. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Is that clear? Salvation is not a reward for good works, but the gift of God through faith in Christ is the only way we're saved. See, also... The Ten Commandments reveals God's righteousness, who God is, his standard, so to speak, right? And it demands righteousness, but it can't give righteousness. Only Jesus can do that. Are y'all, is that clear? It shows us uh, it, that it demands righteousness, but at the same time, it can never produce righteousness in our lives. So, for example, I want to just use this illustration. If I put this on my face, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? My face has all kind of, has some, what, would, what I would consider dirt on it right now, right? You Can you see it? Most of you in the front, you can see what's on my face right now. But I can't, right? But if I pick up this mirror, now I can see that I got all kind of stuff even on my nose that I didn't intend to on my face. So I can see this, this, this mirror reveals that I have something on my face. But let me ask you a question. If I try to wipe this off with this mirror... Is it going to work? No, it's smeared it a little bit, but it's not going to work. What I need to do is get something that, try to open it here, that's made to clean it off my face, right? See, there's something that's dirty on my face, and actually it doesn't belong there because it's my wife's makeup. (laughs) So it doesn't belong there, right? So I need something that was intended to clean it off. Now I'm using the mirror not only to see what's on my face, But also, I know that this is what was made to clean it off. That's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is a mirror to show us that we're dirty. But the Ten Commandments, you don't wash yourself. You don't clean yourself with a mirror. The Ten Commandments shows us we're dirty, but can never cleanse us. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. Amen? 
First John 1 John 1.7 says this. But if we are living in the light as God is the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from our sin. So remember, I'm setting the foundation here as we start digging into the Ten Commandments. Only the blood of Jesus. Remember, it's a mirror. Even James, remember we had our James series in the summer. James says the word of God is a mirror to show us what's wrong, or to show us in our lives what we need to deal with. See, God doesn't give us this spirit to us so we can obey the law because we trust in Christ. Neither does he give us is our inheritance through the law. The one thing a dead sinner needs is life, and the law can't do that. I love how somebody said it. You know, Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. He came to, we were all dead in our sin, and he came to raise us up, right? So watch again the Apostle Paul, Galatians 3, 21 and 22. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we, we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. So you see that we're sins to slavery. We're, we're dirty because of sin, right? There's things that, again, like my wife's makeup don't belong with my face, right? There's things that are on our lives or in our lives that don't belong there. And Jesus knew that. God knew that. So he sent us, he showed us the Ten Commandments to show us what was going on in our lives and that Jesus is the only way to cleanse us. So again, so what's some other purpose of the Ten Commandments? It's God's way, God's way of showing us our sin and also stripping us of our self-righteousness so we can cry out for God's mercy and grace in our lives. See, God gives us his Holy Spirit to all who believe in his Son, and the Spirit enables us to obey God's will and actually fulfill the righteousness of the law. Here's another main purpose of the law. It was actually to prepare the way for Christ. Let's go back to Galatians 3, 23 and 25. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the guard of the law. Now, this is Paul talking to the Jewish people. We were kept in protective custody, to so to speak. Until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So he uses this analogy that like we, like, uh, Israel was like immature children that needed a guard. They needed some guidance to help them along in their life. But then once children become mature, they don't need guardians anymore, right? If you got a 42-year-old child living in your house and you're watching over them, that ought not be. They need to grow up and move out, right? And they don't need the guidance and the guard. I mean, we can still give them guidance, but amen? See, the Jewish ceremonial system presented in Exodus and Leviticus were both fulfilled by Christ. But now listen to me. But the moral content of God's law still remains. Are y'all with me? So it shows you our sin. We know only Jesus can cleanse us and forgive us of our sin, but the content of the law of the Ten Commandments still remains the same. Isn't that right? And we know that, right? Because even today, if you murder someone, you will get arrested and be put in prison. If you steal from someone, right? Where do you think we got those laws from? Right? So the moral content is still the same. As I mentioned, he said, don't commit adultery, right? What did I say a couple weeks ago? The number one reason for divorce in this country is because of adultery. You know, if you, if you unfaithful to your spouse, we know it's wrong. We know it destroys homes, right? So we see the moral content is the same. So while, as a matter of fact, nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament epistles for the church to honor and obey. So while the Ten Commandments deal mainly with our responsibility and relationship with God, 
and you probably know this, maybe you didn't, the first four are focused on our relationship with God, and the last six are focused on our relationship with people. Have you ever saw that? You see, how we relate to others first depends on how we relate to God. we got to have our vertical relationship right before we have our horizontal ones. And that's the whole, even the way the Ten Commandments are laid out, he shows you that. He tells relationship with God first, then relationship with others. See, if we love God and obey him, we'll also love our neighbors and serve them. So listen, Christ came to set us free. So the privilege of freedom, though, brings with it the responsibility to use that freedom wisely for the glory of God and the good of others. Amen? So that's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. That's a couple of purposes there and the foundation that we're laying here for this series. So knowing that, now we've established that, let's dive into the first two this morning. First, number one, the first and second commandment. And, I, and I, of course, I put them into points here, but, but the gist of the first commandment is you must prioritize your love for the Lord. Your love for the Lord must be first and foremost. It must be priority. Exodus 20, 2 and 3, let's read it again. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. God bless you. You must have no other gods but me. You notice that? He, he reiterates like, hey, I am your God who I rescued you from slavery. The same way Jesus rescued us from sinful slavery. Amen? Again, remember, everything is a type and a shadow in the Old Testament for us in the New Testament church, right? The phrase, the Lord your God, is repeated five times between verses 3 and 12. Why? To remind us of the authority behind these commandments. He says it multiple times, five different times, the Lord your God. See, Moses isn't just expressing 10 opinions that he got from like a friend or a counselor. Like you've probably heard it said, it's not the 10 suggestions. It's the 10 commandments. It's not the 10 opinions of somebody. No, he says the Lord your God. He's emphasizing that these commandments were spoken by God Almighty himself. See, this first commandment prohibited Israel from shaping any uh, uh, images or, or anything uh, to become an idol of worship or anything like that. See, uh, Israel was not allowed to make any physical representation of the Lord or anything around them. See, they, they did not ban artistic expression or prevent production of, of elegant art ornaments used in worship uh, like cherubim or whatnot. Actually, God gave instructions to Moses for building the tabernacle. He commanded the Israelites to make beautiful objects of gold, silver, and make clothing used of the finest materials available. But God expects us to love and worship him, the creator, not the creation. Have no other gods before me, nor except me, except for me, but me is what he's saying. No other gods, me and me alone. This is speaking of love. He's, he's talking about our relationship and giving our all to the Lord. That's why we even tell our children and for even you married couples and people, if you're young and you just got married or you desire to get married, I've seen it time and time again where people love the Lord, their God with all their heart, their mind, and so as Jesus quoted as well as part of the Old Testament law, right? He said, was the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I, I see that when people get married, and it's like their affection changes to their spouse more than to the Lord. You know, your priority is to love the Lord your God first. Then your spouse, and then your children. And I don't want to get into a, a marriage or, or, or parenting thing here, but the truth is even that gets twisted. As I see a new little precious baby here sitting with us today, people are deeply in love, and then children come along, and they prioritize their children over their spouse. These things ought not be. Is the Lord your God first? Then your spouse, then your children. Amen? 
See, the Jews lived in a world of blind and superstitious nations that worshiped all many gods, something that, that, that Israel saw for centuries, right, in Egypt. They had multiple gods. They, they served all kinds of different gods. Pharaoh himself was considered a god, all the different pharaohs of Egypt. And remember, they were in slavery 400 years in Egypt. So say they saw this. They saw a man being worshipped. They saw so many different idols being worshipped because they was living in a land of superstition, right? Think about it. We still live in a land like that today. How many people believe in so many crazy things, superstitious, superstitious things? Right? They are, are, are new, I mean, false religions. Think about all the new age religions and all the false things that are out there, right? All the different things like even worshiping the universe. I saw a video one time where, and look, I'm, 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 I'm an outdoorsman, so I'm all about being a good steward of, of the, of the earth and the outdoors and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I saw a video one time where people were wailing. I mean, mourning because they were cutting trees down in the forest. They were literally in a circle beating drums. And with their hands raised like they were worshiping the trees. I mean, people were grieving. They were crying out because trees were getting cut down. It makes me stop and think, too, I wonder what's their view on abortion. Because people go all out about animals and trees, and yet we, they, they, they okay with slaughtering babies left and right, right? But that's, that's going back to my message. I don't want a rabbit trail. Literally, I mean, you could go, I, I could... You can look that stuff up online. You probably saw it. It's, it's ridiculous. People worship the trees. They worship all kinds. They're superstitious. From they are they read tarot cards, or even down to fortune cookies. Right? I mean, it's become a novelty now. But people carry all kind of good luck charms and do all kind of different things like that. No, all of that stuff. You may think that's just some innocent stuff, but it's not. You're putting your trust and you're putting your your faith in something, even if it's little, other than the Lord your God. And he commands not have any other gods before him, right? See, because God has initiated his love toward Israel by redeeming the nation from slavery, the people were to respond appropriately by loving him in return. I got to say, this is the first time I've ever preached and I could smell makeup. It's, it's kind of it's weird. <laughs> this is a first for me, right? This is the essence of God's grace, though. He initiates his love, and the only reasonable response for you and me is to love him back. He showed how much he loved us by sending his son to die on a tree. Amen? We worship the one who died on the tree, not a tree itself. Amen? He initiated his love for us, and our only true response is to love him back. See, God does not just love us when we love him. Thank God. He loved us first. We see that Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before he made the world, check this out, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before he created the world, he loved you and I. He created the world and he created, he made us. Actually, he created the world. He made you and I. We talked about it. It's the difference between creation, what he created and what he made. He made me and you in his image for the purpose of loving us, Right? And so even when we fall short, even before we wanted to have anything to do with him, he loved us, right? 1 John 4, 19 says that too. We love him because he first loved us, right? See, John had that revelation. He knew that, man, I love the Lord, but it's only because he loved me first, right? So this commandment is really about prioritizing your love to the Lord, not having any other gods. When it comes to love, God always makes the first move, always, and he always will, right? 
The command was a call to respond to God's love by remaining faithful to him instead of turning from him to love something else more than him. See, this commandment applies to all people, even today, not just to Israel. The Lord is the one true God worthy of love, worship, because of what he's, who he is, first and foremost, and what he's done. He has reached out lovingly to all humankind with the provision of salvation. The greatest act of love ever, right? No greater love than a man laid on his life for his friend. He laid down a, no greater love. That's the greatest expression of love possible. I did a vow renewal last night and, and the, the bride wanted me to read 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the love chapters. And I, but I worked in the gospel and I said, you know what? The greatest expression of love comes from John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So I said, hey, that's the greatest expression of love. Now Corinthians shows us some other attributes of love as well. See, Israel was also to be a witness of the true and living God and invite their neighbors to trust him. It's the same with us too today, church. It's still the same. It's a witness. You know, when we're not all over the place in our faith and when we prioritize our love for the Lord. It's easy to prioritize our love and our faith and our, and, and our declaration and our bonus for the Lord when things are going good. But what about when things are going bad? Do you still love him with all your heart? Are you still showing that you love him? Not only with our lips, but with our actions, with our hearts, right? Because the, the way we live, what we truly love and what we prioritize is showed by how we spend our time and by how we live our lives. So we're called not only uh, uh, to, to keep this command, and again, this command can't save us. It's not good works. Just remember, none of these you can say, oh man, well, I've, I've kept all the commandments and, and I, I'm going to go to heaven now. No, first of all, you can't keep all the commandments because we're all sinful and Romans tells us we all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the standard, and we've all fallen short. And we're going to get into that more as the series goes on, right? Because Jesus breaks it down about what really murder is and adultery is and all these things. You don't have to physically murder somebody to be considered a murderer. Jesus said you don't have to physically touch someone else that's not your spouse to be an adulterer, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We'll get into all of that, right? But it's prioritizing our love. So you can't Again, be saved by keeping the commandments, but the Lord still, the content still remains. We must prioritize our love for the Lord. Is he first in your life? Is his relationship the first thing in your life? Is it the first thing that you make priority for again, first thing in the morning, throughout the day, right? Is it, is that your priority? Is, is increasing your relationship, your intimacy, and your closeness with the Lord? Don't have any other gods but me. Amen? We must prioritize our love for the Lord. And then number two, the second one, we must worship only the Lord, right? These are close cousins, obviously. Now, this is dealing specifically, as we'll see, with idols. Uh, Exodus 24 and 5, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God and am a jealous God and will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. That's pretty strong language there. I will not tolerate. So he says that. An idol is a substitute for God, and therefore is not a God at all. As I said at first, there's only one and true living God. You may have heard people say that, right? Well, man, you, you know, you worship your God, and I worship mine. You've heard that. That's a thing day and age. Well, this is both unbiblical and illogical when you think about it. 
Because how can there be more than one God? How can there be more than one? It's, it's unbiblical and it's illogical. Listen, especially in our day and age, more and more, even believers that have started kind of going off into heresy and saying, well, we're all going to make it to heaven one day. We're all going to get there, even if, if it's, you know, some people choose Buddha, some choose, you know, Islam, some choose this, that, and the other. We're all going to end up there. We're all worshiping the same God. That's not what the Bible says. And starting back in the second book of the Bible, he makes it very, very clear, right? See, because God, the Lord God, Yahweh, is God. He is infinite, eternal, and sovereign. So he can't share the throne with anyone else. He is the only one, right? He says it himself in Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. See, the idol worship of the pagan nations back then was not only illogical or unbiblical, but it was also intensely immoral. See, back then, pagan worship, they had temple prostitutes. They had fertility rites, and they would even sacrifice their own children to false gods. So it was straight up demonic is what it was. Amen? And that's what it was. They would worship other idols, and there would be all this sexual immorality as well as uh, sacrificing their children and everything in between. That's why in Deuteronomy 7, the Lord commanded Israel to destroy the temple's altars and the idols of the pagans when they invaded the land of Canaan. Look at even, even the apostle John. His final warning to Christians of his day was about idols. Look at 1 John 5, 21. Little children, guard yourself from idols. Look at that. Even him, New Testament epistle, he's saying guard yourself against idols. And we need the same warning today, right? See, because we think, well, man, you know, we're not setting up or carving our idols or something to bow down, you know, and, and, and worship. And most people don't do that. But it don't have to be a statue in your house for it to be an idol. Anything could become an idol, right? And, you know, and that actually even has what he's telling them in certain translations, what he was telling them, not even to make a carved image in, in, to, in the image of God himself. That's another thing. He was even saying, don't even make an image trying to, to, to carve out my likeness to, to worship. Not, no kind of object to, to do that. So what an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Listen to this. Either takes the place of God, which we devote our energy, time, or we may even make sacrifices because we love it so much. See, they would sacrifice animals and their own babies to idols, but we'll sacrifice maybe time and money for modern-day idols. So again, it's not statues anymore. It could be work. It could be hobbies. It could be relationships, right? It could be things like money, recognition, success, material possessions, cars, houses, boats, maybe even knowledge. You know, knowledge can become a guide. And even other people. You know that you could even make some of your close loved ones an idol. It goes back to the first one, right? Because of any, anything or anybody we put before God becomes an idol. Are y'all tracking with me today? Right? See, God, he says it clearly. He's a jealous God. And not in the sense that he's envious of other gods, because they're not even real gods anyway. But he knows that other gods, because he knows they're figments of people's imaginations and they don't even really exist. See, the word jealous here actually expresses his love for his people because he wants the very best for us. Goes back to the first commandment about love. That word jealousy is that he has the very best. He wants that time with us. And he knows anything we get caught up, anything we create or, 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 or we allow to become an idol in our life, 
actually, you know, begins to hurt us and affect us in our relationship with him and the best that he has for us. Just as us as parents are jealous over our children and want the best for them because we love them, right, parents? Most parents, you should like, man, you know, you want the very best for your children or, again, our mates to be jealous. You know, I know some people, jealousy has a, a, a negative connotation, and, and if it's over-possessiveness and all that, but there's something healthy about being jealous with your spouse, right? Right? That's a good thing. I don't want just any, any man trying to push up on my wife. I'm going to be jealous of that, right? Right? And so it's, that's what he's saying. He loves us so much. We have a covenant relationship with him, right? Amen? In Scripture, I mentioned this a lot. I'm going to show you some Scripture. I've mentioned it many times in passing, but I'm going to show you because of the commandment here. In Scripture, idolatry is always the equivalent of prostitution and adultery. Every time, New and Old Testament, I'm going to show you. Jeremiah 2, 20. Long before I broke the yoke that oppressed you and tore away the chains of your slavery, but still you said, I will not serve you. Again, he sells you. Man, I, 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 I delivered y'all from slavery from Egypt, and yet you're saying I still won't serve you. On every hill and under every green tree, you have prostituted yourself by bowing down to idols. The Lord even had the prophet Hosea, if you've never read the book of Hosea, read it. The, the, the Lord had the prophet Isaiah actually marry a prostitute just to show it as an illustration of what Israel was doing to them. Not only did he have him marry a prostitute, he takes her in his house. She actually goes back into prostitution and he has to go and buy her back with his own money and bring her back into his house as his wife. How many of you guys would want that calling on your life? But he did all of that as an illustration to show how powerful he said, this is what you're doing with me. And I mean, it's amazing that Hosea had the obedience to do it because that he says exactly what you're doing for me. I've done everything for you. I've given you everything. I've delivered you. And yet you're still going to prostitute yourself with other idols. But then again, even when you go back off again, even that was a great picture. It's actually called redeemed. He redeemed Gomer back. He bought her back when she strayed away. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He's our redeemer, and he brought us back even when we stray away. So that's, we see there's many scriptures, but I just wanted to show you, encourage you to read Hosea, Prophet Hosea, it's a small book. You read it and see the whole story laid out there. But even the Apostle James uses terminology, uh, terminology of adultery in his letter to the New Testament church. James 4, 4 and 5, you adulterers, right out the gate. That brother ain't even trying to like kind of soften the blow at all. He just lets him know, this is, this is what you are if you go into the world. If you make idols Old Testament, if you're a friend, it says, don't you realize that if your friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? This is New Testament now, church. Y'all with me? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? So now he's referring back. Obviously, this was a letter, so he's referring to Old Testament scripture. They said that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. See that the whole, both Old and New Testament is about us being faithful in our relationship with the Lord. And when we make idols of any kind, work, money, success, sex, relationships, hobbies, you name it, you list it, electronics, whatever the case may be. In this day and age, I believe screens have become an idol. I believe screens have, have you gone to restaurants and you see people, everybody's on their phones. Everybody's hooked on those phones and giving priority to their phones instead of to the loved ones sitting across from them or their family. 
I believe that has, in our generation, become an idol, right? See, God desires and deserves the exclusive love and worship of his people, just as we talked about under the first commandment. Also, God doesn't want you to become a slave to anything because he's already delivered us from slavery, from sin. And that's what he told them both Old Testament and now New Testament. Whenever something dominates you, it will eventually become your God. Something dominates you, becomes your God. I didn't even plan on, but I just saw the connection. I just, every, every Sunday, I, I stand at the front there, and I said pew earlier, by the way. We don't have pews anymore. We have chairs. Jairus showed me that. And I'm always praying and asking the Lord, hey, what do you want to do in this service? And, of course, we, that, that one word surrender in that last song, that's why it's so important to surrender to the Lord every day. Some of us, most of us in here, we surrendered for the first time. I walked down this very aisle and at this, this, this very spot at the altar, I surrendered for the first time. But I got to surrender every day. Why? Why is it so important to surrender every day? To declare your lordship to Jesus every day? Because if not, other idols and gods will try to creep in. You got to keep it, him first on your, the throne of your heart. His throne where it belongs there. He's on the throne of glory, right? But also on our heart. Because if not, we'll dominate, uh, something else will dominate and become our God. See, God knew how easily we would slip into worshiping other things, and he knew we could get addicted to ours. Like I said earlier, I believe there's a lot of things that people, it's not only abuse, like it can be drugs and alcohol, for example, right? Substance becomes an idol, right? You become addicted to it, it becomes, and I know that that's what I was, a couple of things every week, every weekend before I got saved, I was pursuing, and one of them was a high and a few other things, right? So as we close today, and we look at these first two, have you prioritized your love for the Lord? Even as a born-again believer, maybe at one time you did. A lot of us, you get saved, get radically saved. I call it our honeymoon stage with the Lord. You're excited, you're on fire, man. It's just all about Jesus, reading your Bible, praying, being involved in church. But as life goes on, sometimes we could become you know, lukewarm and, and our love attention, even not even meaning to not like when you get married, it's like, man, you're so excited, young couple to get married or maybe got you got married later in life. And that that love affection, you still love the Lord, but your first attention goes to your spouse. That's why even Paul talks about, he said, it'd be better for some of you not to marry because those that marry, they have to, how, it's a struggle. I'm using layman terms to divide up your time and your passion with your spouse and the Lord. He said, that's better for you to stay single like me, right? Paul was never married. He just dedicated his life to loving and serving the Lord, right? And then children come along. Again, children are a blessing. We have four of them. It's a blessing. Some of you have grandchildren, right? Man, we need to nourish and, and obviously tend to our children. But our love for the Lord has to be priority. Amen? Our time for the that's what the first commandment's about. And then have you made anything in your life an idol? Again, it, it's not usually nowadays... It's not a carved idol like he had back then. Like he said, they were literally carving out statues and, and idols and they were bowing down and worshiping. Today, it's not that. But what, have you allowed anything to become an idol in your life? Maybe a relationship again, work, hobbies, money, something else. Some questions to answer as we conclude. And then finally, remember when I started, I talked about that the Ten, that the Ten Commandments shows us our sin but that we can't be cleansed from our sin by the Ten Commandments. It's only by the blood of Jesus, right? Remember, this mirror then cleansed this makeup off my face. I probably still have some on there. I didn't know if I got it all off. I got most of it. But you know what? But these wipes were made to clean stuff off of your face. So again, the commandments is a mirror, right? 
It can't ever cleanse us and deliver us. Only the blood of Jesus. Have you been trying to get right with God by simply keeping the commandments? Or let's say it this way, by being a good person? Like, oh man, I believe. And I've heard people say, when I would witness to them, I said, man, do you think you're going to heaven? Yeah, I think so. I said, why? Because I'm a good person. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. And you know how I know you're not? Because I'm not. I might be a good person compared to a mass murderer, but according to the Ten Commandments, I'm not a good person. Right? Even as a saved, born-again, believing pastor, I'm still not a good enough person to get to heaven. None of us are. I hate to break it to you. None of us are good enough to make it there. We're not. We need Jesus. We have to put our faith and our trust in the work of Jesus. Works will not save us. We can only be forgiven, cleansed, and saved by trusting in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. So I'm going to conclude with this as, as uh, the worship team or someone comes up. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I want to read in the Amplified. I, I think it, it does a great job explaining and expounding on this truth. For it is by grace, he explains what this is, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing us to Christ, right? He's drawing us to the Lord all the time. Actually, Psalm 23, I love the New Living. I think it's more accurate. It says it has, his goodness and kindness don't just follow us. It pursues us all the days of our life. God's always pursuing you. Whether you lost and you don't know him or you saved, he's still pursuing you with that love. You remember when it comes to love, he makes the first move and he never stops. God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved. It's only by grace we've been saved. Actually, saved means to be delivered from judgment and then given eternal life. Come on, somebody. Through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is an undeserved, gracious gift of God. We don't deserve it and we can't earn it. Not as a result of your own works. Watch this. Specifically, nor your attempts to keep the law. Even if we tried our hardest to keep the Ten Commandments, we still won't be saved. So that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. It's by grace, through faith, you've been saved. Not of your own works, no matter how. Listen, James goes on to say faith without works is dead. we got to have good works after we get saved. And I, I did a whole teaching on that in the summer. I encourage you to go check it out if you missed our James series. But we can't be saved because of the law. Remember, the law is a mirror to show us our sin, show us we can't keep up or can't keep them all. And Jesus came, died on the cross, and made the provision to wipe us clean, to wash us. He don't just cover our sin. He washes it away. Amen? Would you bow with me as we close? So I'm going to ask those three questions again. Now I just want you to do a little inventory, a little time with you and the Lord. Are you prioritizing your love with the Lord? Are you prioritizing your time with him, your worship of him? If it's at first, even above the love of your life, and no matter how long you've been married, I've been coming up, casting out 19 years in January. No matter how many children you got, still your love for the Lord must be first. If you hadn't, I want you to repent today and say, Lord, I want to reprioritize my love to you today. Secondly, have you made anything an idol in your life? Have you made any work Success, recognition, knowledge, pleasures, hobbies, people, things, possessions, an idol that you put before God. More time, attention, energy, and maybe even sacrifice than you do in worshiping the Lord. Because again, we may not stand before an iPad and worship it, but if we're giving it our time and attention, it takes away from our worship of the Lord. He says, don't have any other gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't bow down and worship them. Worship only him. And then secondly, 
Have you been trying to get right with God in your own efforts? By just being a good person? Yes, it's good. We, again, the content of the law still stands. The Holy Spirit helps us to live righteous and, and to, to reflect these things. Absolutely. But you can't be saved. Ephesians makes it clear. All these scriptures I read makes it clear. We're saved by grace. I mean, yes, by grace through faith. If you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if I'm right with God, man. I, I have been trying to, trying to get right with God. I thought, man, coming to church and being a good person, I help. I give a little money here, maybe even served on serve week. But man, actually, I haven't fully put my trust. In, and you know what? I know that even these two things, I see some dirt in my life. And, and I've been trying to get it off the wrong way. And, and you say, man, I, I don't know if I'm forgiven. I don't know. Again, we know Davis. Davis went to be with the Lord. Again, we know. I love these last two brothers and sisters who passed. We know Davis used to lead Bible studies here. I talked to him at his mom's funeral. He was talking about Jesus. We know he's with the Lord. If you breathe your last today, where would you be spending eternity? Because the Bible makes it clear. We just read it. That he saves us. He delivers us from judgment. That's eternal judgment and gives us eternal life. Whatever head bowed it, every eye closed, even if you're watching at home, again, just do business with the Lord. You say, Brandon, if today was my last day, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I've been trying to get right with God all wrong, but I, I need to trust and put my faith in Christ and the finished work of the cross. I need to get right with the Lord today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, man, that's me. That's me. Brandon, I need to get right with the Lord. I've been doing it wrong. I see your hands over here. Hands going up. Amen. Over here to my right. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anyone else? Well, I prayed for you this morning specifically. And maybe you say, Brandon, at one time I was loving the Lord, serving the Lord. More hands still going up. But you know, I went away. I see hands still going up. Thank you. I went away and now, man, I need to get back right. I haven't prioritized my time with the Lord. I've been trying to do things on my own. And you say, man, I need to re-surrender. We, we started the service with surrender. Let's end it. Hey, Brian, I need to come back and re-surrender my life to the Lord. If that's you, lift up your hands and surrender. Say, Brian, that's me. That's me. And more hands going up. Amen. Different hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. More hands still going up right now. Now, again, the Bible makes it clear. Confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. He said, you shall be saved. And we just read what that word salvation means to be delivered from judgment and to be granted eternal life. Can we all pray this together? Again, it's not the, the actual prayer, the words. It's, it's the faith behind it. Come on, let's pray as a family. Let's pray like we mean it. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know you loved me first. And I know you died on the cross for me. But I know that I've sinned. And I repent of my sin today. I turn to you and I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me and saving me. Now, Holy Spirit, give me the grace and the strength to live for you and reflect your glory all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice with these today. Yes, amen. Amen. Well, if you, if you made that decision to surrender your life to Christ, there's a card in the chair in front of you that says connection card. Fill that out. Uh, you can bring it to the info center. We have a Bible. You can come up here. I'd love to meet you and pray with you. If you watch it online, there's a link as well. Come on, for the rest of us, why don't we stand up and let's close out together today. You know, it's amazing. Again, for years, I've heard this. It says that the New Testament is, is concealed in the old and the old is revealed in the new. 
right? He's talking about in here in the second book of the Bible, the first commandment is that I'd have any other gods before me. It's about love, right? What did Jesus say in Revelation? You need to come back to your first love. For some of us, come on, we need to do that today and come back to our first love. Come on, let's just, let's re-surrender all of us. And if you hadn't prioritized your love and your time with the Lord, let's just tell him today, Lord, we're coming back to you. Lord God, we thank you that, Lord, this is all your word. And we thank you that, again, the law shows us this, the, the, the commandment shows us, Lord, where we fall short, Lord, in our life. And Lord, maybe there's some in here that have not prioritized their love for you. Maybe they've put their affections over, uh, for you, uh, for, for others over you or for things. And we just come back to you and say, Lord, we love you. Come on, just tell them today, Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord Jesus. I want to show you with my, not only my mouth, but my life that I love you, Lord. And Lord, I just, I pray that you help me, Holy Spirit, to continue to prioritize you. And then let's, come on, let's repent. If you made anything of an idol in your life at all right now, I just want you to repent of it. And I, I believe the Holy Spirit showed you if there's something or, or multiple things in your life, again, it could go back, could be another relationship. These are interconnected. They're tied in. Maybe it's a relationship. It's work. It's hobbies, whatever, money, recognition, all that stuff. Come on, let's let's repent. Lord, We come on, repent with me. Lord, I, I just ask that you would just forgive us, Lord. If there's anything in our lives that we've made idols of, Lord, that we put before you, now, like that we've bowed down before, not maybe physically, but in our hearts. We've given time, attention, affection, money, and sacrifice. Lord God, before you, we repent of all idols in our lives. We turn to you today and say, Lord, we love you and we worship you only. We exalt you and thank you for the blood of Jesus, for cleansing us from our sins, that who came to fulfill all of the law. We love you, Lord. We bless you. I pray you help these as they go today. And we all have a, uh, a grateful hearts and thanksgiving, not just on Thursday, but that every day would be thanksgiving day for the Christian. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love you. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, the the pastors and altar workers will come down and pray with you. Uh, If not, God bless you. Have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving.